You're here with Claudia Hertzenfelder, the International Student Affairs Commission for the SGPS, and we're going to speak to some graduate and professional students here at Queen's University about their research and how it stretches beyond Canadian borders. What are some of the opportunities and challenges this has afforded them? Let's find out. This is Beyond Canada, International Thought and Scholarship. Okay, uh, it's very good to be back after a long break with Beyond Canada. It was a summer full of twists and turns and different things happening. So it does feel really good to be back uh, speaking to more students about international scholarship and international research. And today's guest is El Zara. Um, Maid, did I say that correctly? Uh, my first name, <laughs> my last name is not, it's not correct. Um, it should be Majid or Majid. Majid. Yeah. Alzara Majid. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a real great pleasure to have you. Uh, we've actually known each other for a fair bit of time and worked with each other on a variety of things at Queen's University, um, including the Beyond Boundaries Conference, which happened earlier this year. Uh, so it's really wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so how... Before we get into your focus, uh, or at least the focus of today, which is your thesis, and then talking a little bit about the opportunities and challenges of doing international research, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Queen's University. Sure. So, um, so hi, everyone. Um, so, as Claudia said, my name is Zahra. I'm a second year PhD student at Queen's. I'm studying health promotion uh, at the School of Kinesiology and Health Studies. And uh, I've been in Kingston for almost two years now. Um, and what else? I'm from Lebanon. Uh, it is a small country in the Middle East. And yeah, <laughs> that's me. Your thesis title is Exploring Physical Activity, Integration and Community Building Among Newcomers in Canada. What got you interested in doing research on that? Um, so you see, I, uh, I used to be, uh, I used to, I did my graduate, I did my like master's degree in the U S and so I've been like an international student in the U S before. And then I traveled to Canada to like do my PhD. So I've been in like two locations as an immigrant. I mean, I'm not an immigrant per se, but like an international student. Uh, so I've been in this position for more than once and I've experienced like, uh, I've experienced the uh, the positionality or like uh, the experience of uh, such individuals in my position. Um, and physical activity has always been uh, on the way, like it's something that I'm interested in. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess it's just drawn from my own experience. So when you say physical activity, what, what are you meaning here? Sure. So uh, usually when people hear physical activity, they think it's just maybe working out or exercise or uh, sports, you know, uh, but physical activity is a much broader term that has to do with uh, any bodily movement. So basically, it could be walking, taking the stairs, uh, going for a jog or a run, or any any bodily movement. Honestly, that 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 anything that gets you moving. So why do you think that there is a big connection between movement and being a newcomer? Sure. So. Um, so you see, like newcomers come here. When I say newcomers, I'm basically referring to, so it's a general broader term. So it refers to um, 
maybe students who are newcomers, it refers to immigrants who uh, come here to Canada or any place. Uh, it could refer to workers, it could refer to refugees. Uh, in my own research, I'm only referring to immigrants and people who were refugees before they came to Canada. So that's like the specification of my research. Uh, but speaking in a general term, uh, in terms of newcomers, uh, physical activity is, um, is basically associated with an enormous amount of, of benefits to your like physical health and mental health and social health. Uh, it brings it brings you around with people to your community. It brings you um, it makes you meet new people. Um, it can give uh, give you very positive benefits to your mental health and the way you're feeling. So when you when you come here into uh, into Canada, let's say, or like any new place, uh, you definitely need something that actually makes you connected and. Uh, let let lets you feel integrated to this new place. Uh, so yeah, so that's how I see the connection between both of them. So are you interested in understanding the types of physical activity that newcomers do upon arriving in Canada, or are you trying to develop uh, a range of activities they should do when they arrive in Canada? Um. So it's neither this or that. Uh, for me, I'm trying to get get them moving, you know, uh, regardless of the type of physical activity. Um, because research shows that uh, in Canada, Canadians, or let's say maybe in Kingston, if we're speaking on a very like smaller uh, term, uh, 60, only 60% of people actually need the physical activity recommendations, which is um, the physical activity recommendation is basically uh, for adults. Uh, it instates that adults should be uh, exercising for about 150 minutes per week. And this exercise should be like moderate to vigorous physical activity, which includes like uh, maybe uh, fast walking, brisk walking, or like jogging or anything that gets your heart pumping, you know. So like that's 150 minutes per week. Um, immigrants in Canada in general, they don't really meet these physical activity guidelines and uh, there's a huge disparity when it comes uh, to this specific population. So for me, my, the goal of my research is to actually, uh, actually learn more about this statistic because like research is lacking there. Um, mm. And after I learn about the statistics, like what can I do to help? Like what is my contribution to make this better? And when you say Canada, so you brought in different scales there. You spoke about uh, physical activity in Kingston um, and also physical activity in Canada. Will you be looking at the whole of Canada? Uh, or will you be looking at specific cities in Canada? Uh, yeah, so um, so obviously, so, like, so my research basically is divided into several parts, obviously. Uh, the first part, I'll be looking at uh, whole Canada, like the the national data available on physical activity uh, in Canada. This will give me like uh, a broader estimate on the actual situation. And then when I want to explore like the local situation in Kingston, uh, I'll be only looking at Kingston. And the type of research will not be like quantitative. It's going to be qualitative, basically. Um, and this like has a broader range of like interviews, focus groups, uh, observations. Uh, so that's a different project. So yeah, so one of them is actually like a general 
uh, exploration quantitatively, and the other specific one is actually localized to the um, to Kingston. Okay. Um, normally in this podcast, when we speak to people, we speak to folks that are going beyond Canada, uh, speaking and doing research in countries or locations that are not necessarily connected to Canada. But you are also going beyond Canada, even though your research is within the borders itself, because you're trying to understand the reality of people who have come from outside coming inside. Are there particular populations? So you did say uh, immigrants or previously asylum seekers. Um, Are there particular geographies at play here? Um, Are you interested in immigrants who come from uh, the Middle East, uh, from Africa, from the United States, or is it any sort of uh, location that you're interested in? Yeah, uh, for sure, I'm interested in specific population, uh, specifically when it comes to the qualitative research I'm conducting. Uh, you can't really possibly interview every single immigrant, especially with the diversity of people coming into uh, Kingston or Canada in general. Um, because I'm like, I mean, people tend to actually uh, lean into people with similar backgrounds. So I'm ethnically Arab. Uh, so uh, that's why I'm actually interested in um, in like doing my qualitative research among Arabs. Uh, so the qualitative research hopefully is going to be situated within people from the Middle East and North America, North Africa, so the MENA region, um, and uh, some of the countries I I've known people uh, in Kingston from uh, are Syria, um, Iraq. Um, Sudan. So these are the, I'm trying to remember like the, the nationalities I've spoken before uh, with. So, yeah. Wow. So that's really interesting. And do you find that so far in your research, because you're only entering, you're, you said you're two and a half years into your PhD now. So I'm sure that there's a lot of things that are still busy being ironed out. And I know that you said you're currently in the middle of doing your comprehensive exams. Yeah. So <laughs> how's that going? Oh, fine. <laughs> they're good. They're good. Good. Uh, so I know that there's a lot of um, moving parts and things that are still happening. But in terms of thinking beyond Canada, how do you see interviewing people who are in Canada as contributing to understanding places outside of Canada? Sure. I mean, people come here with different backgrounds, different knowledge, different experiences, even like within the same country or the same region. So like I'm Lebanese, Uh, Lebanon and Syria are like neighbors. We have one border and like you need three hours to go into each country. Uh, But even with that, we do have like uh, diff- diff- a bit of differences in our experiences, especially uh, I'm, I'm just speaking about people from, from, who came from Syria, but like there are other countries I'm interviewing. But like let's say Syria, like people who comes from Syria, they have been into, they have been through a huge uh, catastrophic war, uh, so they've experienced that, and they came here seeking refuge in Canada. So you have to ex- you have to take that context um, when you're when you're actually. Uh, interacting with them, uh, you can't be like insensitive or just ignore these experiences. Um, all of that actually accounts to their like their their health status. It accounts to their physical activity level. If I'm trying to actually um, 
go back into the main usage question. Mm -hmm. uh, they also have to do into their actual integration into this country. Um, you can't really ignore people's uh, experiences and expect them to come here and adopt new cultures and um, start over without, uh, without referring to their past, you know? For sure. Um, where you come from shapes where you are. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears here a little bit to talking a bit about you because you have come from elsewhere. Uh, you said that you've been an, an international student in more than one country. Uh, how have you found, so I think that you're going beyond Canada in several ways, not only in terms of speaking to people who are not Canadian um, and who come with a variety of lived experiences uh, that extend beyond Canadian borders, but you yourself have come from outside Canada and are learning to navigate a different country, like myself too, right, as an international student. What do you think are some of the, uh, the, the opportunities in being an international student in a different country doing research on other international people? Uh, opportunities. Mm. Um, is, it, is it a good space? Is it, like it's, it sounds like it's a lot to navigate coming from somewhere else and doing research on somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but there must be a reason why you, you thought that this would be a good thing to do. Uh, you've said that it's important for people's health. But is there, are there particular um, opportunities in doing this kind of prickly international research? Of course, yeah. I mean, definitely has to do with uh, with your own personal experience and uh, and learning. Um, I mean, we're we're students at the end, students of life before before being like PhD students or graduate students. So, uh, it's part of learning the other culture. It's part of like uh, understanding these human experiences. It's part of um, if if you're doing like community research, right? You need to be aware that you're not dealing with numbers. You're dealing with people with uh with massive amount of uh, backgrounds and experiences, and mm. um, it's how you actually deal with that and what you learn from them, uh, the diversity and the richness of uh of the experiences you you get to learn from them throughout the process. I feel like that's a huge opportunity you get to learn in uh, in this type of research. Yeah, for sure. And and learning from a variety of different voices, I think, will enrich you as a researcher. Um, I think certainly I've, I've found that myself, that the more people I speak to from a variety of geographies, the more nuanced my ability is to, to do analytical research, to think about some of those uh, lived experiences you were speaking about. Uh, even if I have not been through them myself, I think being open to hearing more voices beyond where I am certainly allows for research that picks up on these different tendencies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, what about some of the, the challenges in doing international research? Oh, um, for sure there are so many challenges I can think of. Um, one of the challenges is actually uh, the time commitment you have to put, uh, probably in some cases the cost if you're traveling abroad. In my case, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm traveling so far. I mean, things could change, I'm not sure. But, um, but in terms of even like localized research here in Canada, doing international research, 
um, I feel like the time commitment uh, that you have to put, especially uh, in the context of a PhD student, like we have certain deadlines we need to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only have so many years, you know, um, in our research program, and we have to navigate that um, and graduate on time. All that while actually producing quality research and contributing to the to the, uh, to the community and having some sort of reciprocity throughout the process. So I feel like uh, that's one of the challenges, especially in my own like uh, my own research, and especially with the COVID situation right now. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was going to ask you yeah. uh, how is how is you know being pushed indoors, um, having to change your research possibly in some ways um i know that's certainly been the case for me but in terms of accessing these different communities uh, and understanding the ways in which they do move and do do physical activity or not how has covid19 shaped that research experience I mean, honestly, it's been a challenge, uh, not gonna lie. Um, so ever since, so in my own research, I've been, I used to see my community every now and then, like uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, we used to have like weekly interactions. We were planning, um, we were planning so many things along the way. Uh, but then uh, COVID happened and um, I haven't seen them since March. Uh, mm-hmm. And communication has been also like uh, a bit of a challenge. So I feel like for physical activity by itself, there is a lot of uh, work that can be done, especially in the COVID-19 situation, right? Um, like the virtual stuff that's happening, virtual training. But then you also have to think about the community you're working with. So I'm working with adults, um, possibly above the age of 40. And um, they're like... I feel like they're sick of the online stuff. And like, even for us, we're like PhD students, we're like just super tired of the virtual stuff and we're <laughs> missing the human interaction. And mm-hmm. I'm speaking deeply from my heart. So I can imagine like these, uh, the community I'm working with and like, they really don't want to, um, they don't want Zoom stuff anymore, you know? So for me, I, I just have to be patient and see where that goes because like, I really can't do anything about it. Like I have to find other ways. I still don't know what these ways are, but hopefully um, with time, uh, things will get better. Could this be an opportunity for your research as well uh, in terms of thinking about the different ways in which uh, communities are able to get active? I don't know. Is there a way in which one you know, everyone's kind of going online right now, as you said, and maybe for a variety of communities, it's good to tap into something you know and something that's familiar. So for perhaps for me, coming from South Africa, uh, tapping into a fitness instructor who's in South Africa, all of a sudden, time is not as big not a problem good. because yeah. things are being recorded and people are getting quite, you know, as difficult as COVID has been, it's also been an oddly, maybe perhaps not oddly, but it's been a very generative time as well where people have figured out solutions to connecting online I think at a far faster rate than what they were previously so yeah I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that do you think that there are ways in which physical activity for uh, immigrant communities could actually be bolstered in this time by tapping into their communities back home and the kind of physical activities that are being recommended from there yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, there is a huge opportunity here. Um, I feel like 
there are there are so many people doing research in that, especially with like maybe community based physical activity promotion or something like that. Um, but for me, I feel like it has to do with the audience or like with the participants uh, you're dealing with, right? So it depends on what they want and their preference. But for sure, there is like um, there's a huge opportunity here, um, especially maybe among uh, younger younger people, maybe like youth. Uh, mm-hmm. who are already into the social media platforms and they're like um, technologically uh, like uh, what's the word like super into this like competent mm-hmm. uh, in technology so maybe they would be more into this uh, although again um, from my own personal experience I'm a very active person uh, I like since the since the uh since the pandemic started I started doing like online stuff uh, online physical activity uh, workouts and right now I feel like I'm sick of it I need to see other people I need to work Mm. out with groups you know I need to be outside so I mean I can definitely imagine the struggle that um, other people would have at the same time for sure yeah and I guess the other challenges is as much as there are now resources coming from across the globe to help with physical activity uh a big part of what it is, or at least what it sounds like you're doing, it's not just about the physical activity, but how physical activity helps and leads to better community integration. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess trying to seclude, you know, or not seclude, that sounds um, nefarious, trying to encourage, you know, particular communities to tap into resources that they might be more familiar with uh, is not always going to help with community integration um, although certainly it could be part of I imagine part of a bouquet of different activities coming forward um, when you say community integration or community building what is it that you think makes physical activity so important to to community into community community building so I feel like uh, if I'm speaking just within the uh, Kingston um, Kingston context, right? So I'm speaking within the Kingston context and I'm examining a certain community here. Uh, let's say we're talking about uh, students, international students at Queens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when these people come together doing a certain physical activity, like a group physical activity or like a walking uh, or running uh, group, uh, they're like building social connections, they're building uh, friendships, they're getting to know each other, they're forming some kind of social support among each other. Uh, this has been associated with uh, better, uh, like, uh, with like having a sense of belonging to the mm-hmm. community they're in. Uh, so yeah, so th- that's how I see like physical activity is actually associated with having um, a sense of belonging to a community, which in turn can be can lead later on to feeling uh, to feeling like connected or like integrated in your community. It doesn't have to be like you're adopting all the cultures here or you're adopting all the habits here, mm-hmm. but you're actually feeling connected to some of the parts in Kingston because we all know that, or not all we all of us know, but like Kingston is an active community. In general, it's better than other parts in Ontario. Um, so when these individuals or like some individuals come here and feel like they're doing something similar to other people here in Kingston, they feel like they're like them, you know, or they're integrated within them. And and I think 
that was really important what you said just now. It's not to say that you have to adopt everything fully. Um, it's about feeling as though you belong. Exactly. And I, know, and I know that one of the challenges you had said uh, of doing international research or working with international populations was the idea of not being culturally competent. So even even myself, like I'm, I'm trying to speak to you about kind of this broad idea of international and that's a really huge category right yeah. so I keep bringing it yeah. back to maybe some ideas in South Africa but then even in South Africa it's a you know it's a massively diverse place uh, so I come from a very particular position in South Africa so I have a very distinct idea about what physical activity involves what clothing I should wear um, you know what spaces are appropriate to do activity in or not uh, how have you found that to be a, a challenge slash an opportunity in thinking about community building and physical activity in Kingston? Uh, in terms of cultural competence? Mm, like has it, has it come up as a, as a challenge or oh, an opportunity um, uh, in, your, in your research or both? I feel, um, I feel it's an opportunity to learn, uh, to learn to understand other people and where they're coming from. Um, but it's definitely a challenge if you're if you don't if you don't have the necessary training or if you're not following a certain like framework that actually gives you the opportunity to be that person that culturally competent person. Um, so if I'm if I need to give you an example on that, so in my research, I in our research lab actually the health promotion lab at Queens, uh, we follow a framework called the community based participatory research. So what that means is that we, um, so we do research in a community, and this research takes a lot of time because you have to build your build your connection or relationship mm -hmm. with uh, this community, and you have to build trust. Uh, there's there should be like some kind of reciprocity in the relationship. You, you don't just go there, collect your data, and leave. You have to go there. Uh, actually know the people you're, 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 you're um, collecting your data from. And then uh, the main research would be something they're interested in. It's not, not, not something that uh, you just go there and impose on them, right? Um, so the mere idea of the community-based participatory research framework, it actually allows you to be culturally competent because you have to understand where the other person is coming from. So yeah, I mean, if you if you're doing that, if you're being really uh, knowledgeable about that and taking it step by step, uh, you're definitely learning, and that's definitely an opportunity. Um, but if you just want to go there, uh, treat these people as if they're just you know numbers, which is super wrong. Um, and it has been done throughout research before, you know. So you have to keep that in mind because if you mm -hmm. Uh, especially among communities who have been over researched, you know, like you have you have to be aware that uh, aware that these communities may not be welcoming you. Um, so yeah, so it depends on how you actually position yourself within that community. Great, thank you so much. Um, it sounds like you're doing incredible work, and uh, where I know you said that you're in the middle of your comps right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think because Queen's University is a decentralized university, sometimes comps exams take on a different look in different departments. So how does it look for you? Um, so, you know, like, I mean, we tend to, <laughs> we tend to over, like, uh, 
sometimes maybe nag or like uh, have an, a dramatic view of what's go what we're going through in terms of the comps. But when we see other departments and the way they're going, like their comps are, uh, you appreciate what you actually are doing right now. So in general, I mean, I'm just blabbling here, but <laughs> um, but like in general, our comps in in my department. Uh, most of the comps in my department, because we have like different specialties, uh, most of the comps in my department, uh, they're uh, about like three months long. Uh, we get to ask like, the, the, the committee asks us around three questions, three questions, and then uh, we have uh, three weeks to answer each question with one week in between, uh, in between the questions. So that's around like three months. And then after these three months, you have to have like an oral exam to defend uh, your answers. Uh, personally, I've done two of my questions. I still have one question to go in addition to the oral exam, which is happening uh, by the end of October. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a lengthy process, to be honest. Uh, a bit stressful sometimes, especially when you're when you have like research and you have other stuff going on in your life, like personal stuff. So mm-hmm. you have to be able to navigate that. But I do know that other places, I'm not sure if at, at Queens or like maybe other schools uh, in Canada or in the US or other places, um, they do have their comps happening in just one day and it's an actual exam with no access to internet or anything. So I'm really thankful that mine is not like that, to be honest. Um, yeah, actually, uh, yeah. that's that's what the, my, my exam was like, it was one day. So yours sounds pretty intense. Um, but also as though you'd walk away learning a great deal from exactly. it. So a really, uh, a really good process to, to learn. Yeah, from, that's which... the silver lining, to be honest. Like they try to make it as much as possible resembling the true research process, although it's not the same, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like you don't actually sit down and do your research in three weeks. But um, in terms of learning, you actually get to learn a lot of stuff. So that's mm-hmm. good. I mean, at the end of the day, we're working towards being PhD students, so it's going to take some work. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, congratulations on having finished two of them so far. Best of luck as you work towards your third. Uh, I'm sure it's going to go wonderfully. Um, and yeah, and then you're almost halfway through, which is really exciting news. So hopefully we'll be able to touch base again in future and I can learn a little bit more about your research. For now, um, I tend to end off each episode asking about a song that someone thinks either reminds them of the type of research they do uh, or the place in which they've done their research. Uh, what song did you choose for today? Um, so, yes, yeah, so I actually found that really interesting, uh, I like that, that request specifically. Uh, for me, at first, I didn't really have I didn't really think about that, but then like five minutes later, I had this uh, song by the script, uh, Superheroes. It's one of my favorite songs. I usually run to this song always. It's super motivating. It speaks about um, the different experiences and different stories of individuals in life. Uh, some of them, they've been through a lot of struggles or uh, adversities, and then uh, it shows like they are actually very resilient and strong and then they overcame these adverse adversities or they're still going through these adversities so these are the superheroes so for me i feel like the community i'm working with these are my superheroes because each one of them has a different story uh, and um 
these stories show how they actually overcame um, overcame what they've been through. Great. That's wonderful. Well, uh, that'll be playing us out. Uh, thank you so much for joining me here today and for teaching us a little bit more about physical activity and why it is so important to belonging in place. Uh, best of luck with your exams. Thank you so much, Claudia. And I look forward to seeing you in person. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> thank you for having me. Cheers.
A big thank you to today's guest as well as to all of the staff here at CFRC with a special thanks to the station manager, Diana Janssen. The bed music for this podcast is Mafikizolo featuring Uhuru singing Kona. This has been Beyond Canada, International Thought and Scholarship.